The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Morning. Morning. It is good to be with you. Uh, my name is Andrew Martin. I serve as the youth pastor here at Christ the King, and it's my privilege to welcome you all uh, to our service this morning. Uh, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm particularly excited to welcome you today uh, because this is one of my favorite times of year. Uh, as you look around, I mean, you could even look out these windows uh, for a moment. You can just see everywhere what is often known as signs of spring, uh, where we see flowers, we see trees, we see birds and insects and all kinds of creatures, all of creation uh, showing uh, the vibrant, beautiful, exquisite life that God has created. And as I look at and see these things, it reminds me of, of this time of year that we are preparing to celebrate, Easter, a time when Jesus uh, came back to life after conquering death itself, and how we are reminded that when we belong to Jesus, that we share in that life also. Uh, so it is especially exciting uh, to welcome you as we remember these things. And as we prepare for Easter next Sunday, this morning we're celebrating Palm Sunday, a day when we remember how people cheered and waved palm branches as Jesus entered Jerusalem uh, just a few days before he prepared to go and, and purchase the price uh, for us to live in him. And we read of this true story in Matthew chapter 21, so I'd invite you to turn with me there, Matthew chapter 21. And if you need, there are Bibles under the chairs in front of you. We'll also be uh, projecting this passage on the screens overhead. We'll be reading Matthew uh, chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Please follow along with me as we read. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mountain of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that out of your love and your kindness, you have, you have given us your word. And we thank you that this morning we have the privilege of being reminded of seeing uh, who Jesus is more clearly and what he came to do for us. And so we ask, Lord, that as we read and dive deeply into this word from you this morning, that we would just be undone uh, with love for you as we see your love for us. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, a, a number of years ago, uh, my wife Heather and I had the, the privilege of attending a wedding that we were invited to. 
Uh, and it was, it, was a, it was a beautiful wedding. Uh, it was in a, a setting much like what we see outside today. It was sunny. It was in a botanical garden, uh, a very beautiful botanical garden. So we were just surrounded with, with beautiful plants and flowers and trees. And uh, the person who was getting married, uh, the, the groom, was someone who I worked with. And so it was just wonderful to be in this beautiful place and to see this, this beautiful ceremony happen where, where he and his wife were, were joined in marriage. And after the, after the ceremony, we were invited to, to a beautiful reception. Uh, and as we, as we made our way into the reception, we went through the greeting line where we were able to, to, to see the family. And I shook their hands as I went down the line and looked them in the face and congratulated them on this joyous occasion. That's very important <laughs> that you remember that part. And, uh, and then afterwards, we were, we were ushered into the reception hall where there were these beautiful tables set and, and we sat with, uh, with different people and just enjoyed wonderful food as we continued the celebration. And uh, my wife was there with me and there were a number of my coworkers who were seated across the table from us and I was sitting next to a gentleman right uh, to the left of where I was sitting and as we were talking, we, we just kind of made small initial conversation, but after a few moments, I asked him, I said, so, uh, tell me how you know the, the bride and the groom. And he, um, he almost started a little bit, like he was kind of shocked that I was even asking him this question. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm the father of the bride. <laughs> and uh, I thought, I said, oh, well, well, congratulations, what a joyous day for you and your family. And, and my coworkers were sitting across the table just not shaking their heads and laughing, which it would have been them in my situation, I'm sure, too. Uh, but, you know, we laughed about it and, and we recovered and, and it was okay. You know, we were able to go on and have a, a wonderful conversation. Uh, it was funny. But at the same time, it was very important for me to know this important truth about this man. That was something that, that really mattered his relationship uh, to the bride as her father. And the truth is that understanding these kinds of things about people and relationship is, is very important and, and certainly very, very important when it comes to understanding who Jesus is. You see, like my experience with that man at the table, so often it's very easy for us to, to just not fully understand who Jesus is. And this, this happens all the time for, for various reasons. Some of us don't understand who Jesus is uh, because we have allowed our own opinions or, or perhaps uh, the words from popular scholarship uh, to define who Jesus is rather than letting our definition come to us from Scripture and how he is presented. Uh, others, we, we actually have grown up in the church and we do understand who Jesus is because we've had it presented to us over and over and over again and yet we so easily forget as we get caught up in the, in the whirlwind of life, and we need to be regularly reminded. Whatever the case is, what, whatever our situation, the good news for all of us uh, today is that out of God's grace, the Gospel of Matthew shows us who Jesus is. And we begin to see this at the very beginning of this passage. Look with me again in verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. As we, as we read these verses, Matthew shows us that Jesus had a very intentional, he had a thought-out plan for exactly how he wanted to make his entrance into Jerusalem. 
specifically, he wanted to, to arrive in Jerusalem by riding a colt, uh, in this case, a young donkey. And so in verses 6 through 7, the two disciples that he speaks to and sends, they, they obey. And they go and they fetch this young colt this, and its mother, and they, they prepare a makeshift saddle with their cloaks. And Jesus sits on these cloaks that have been placed on the back of this colt. And as Jesus sat upon this saddled donkey, he made an incredible statement. Look with me again in verse 4. It says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Notice how, how Matthew, he pauses the scene he is describing to explain the significance of what Jesus is doing right now. Specifically, he says that what Jesus is doing is fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet. Now, just to, to help refresh our minds or maybe to, to introduce us to this concept for the first time, uh, centuries before Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, centuries before that, God had spoken to his people, the Israelites, uh, through his special messengers who were called prophets. And we have these messages recorded for us on some of the pages of the Old Testament. And so in, math, in, in verse 5, Matthew quotes two of these messages that have been given from God so long ago. Look with me in verse 5. He says, Say to the daughter of Zion. This first part is a, is a quote from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, where in Isaiah chapter 62 and verse 11, God speaks to his people, referred to here as, as the daughter of Zion. And he promises, in the context of, of chapter 62, he promises that he's going to come and he's going to rescue them. And after this opening quotation, Matthew shifts to another Old Testament prophecy. Look once more in verse 5. He says, Daughter of Zion, people of Israel, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. This second part is a quote from another Old Testament prophet, the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. Another prophecy where God promises rescue, where he promises salvation. Specifically rescue and deliverance that will come from a king who arrives riding on a donkey. And so Matthew is explaining that when Jesus chose to, rode, when Jesus chose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem that day, he was making an incredible claim about his identity. He was claiming to be this very king who was promised so long ago and for whom Israel had been very eagerly waiting. Jesus was showing us who he is, that he is the king coming to save his people. And when the crowd sees Jesus making this statement, they respond by honoring and celebrating Jesus. Look in verse 8. It says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And this is a big deal because when we look in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings in chapter 9, Israel had honored another king named King Jehu by laying their garments before him to stand on. From the historical record, we know that Israel had celebrated with palm branches 200 years before Jesus was born, when a hero named Simon Maccabeus had helped liberate Jerusalem from their enemies. And here we see Jesus receiving these same kinds of celebration, these same kinds of royal treatment. But that's not all the crowds do. Look in verse 9. It says, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. As the crowd escorts Jesus to Jerusalem, they shout his praises by quoting Psalm 118, an Old Testament passage that celebrates and gives thanks to God for saving his people. 
And so the crowd praises and celebrates Jesus with these words and actions because they believe that Jesus, he might be that promised one that God had said would come one day. And so, friends, this is the first thing we need to understand about Jesus from this passage. We need to recognize that he is not simply a good teacher, though he is that. Jesus, Jesus is the king sent to rescue God's people. And Jesus himself shows us this in a very intentional manner as he rides into Jerusalem riding on this donkey. To truly understand Jesus, we need to recognize him as our savior and as our king. And this actually has profound implications for our lives. It means that if Jesus is our king, we honor him and we rejoice uh, for what he has come to do. And, and y'all, that is why Easter, this time of year that we set aside as a special time to celebrate, that is why it is such a time of joy and thanksgiving. And so as we go through this coming week, as we anticipate uh, the Easter celebration, let me, let me just encourage you to, to spend some time reflecting on this passage. Spend some time praying and, and thanking God, praising him for sending this king to rescue us thanking him for what he has come to do. And, and I would also encourage you to ask him to, to open doors, uh, to talk with others, maybe a neighbor or a friend, so that you can share this good news with them also. But that actually leads to a very important question. If we're going to do those things, we need to know why. Why are we giving thanks for Jesus and his arrival? What, what did he arrive to do that is such good news that we would pray and, and eagerly seek opportunities to share it with others? And the answer to this question is that as we recognize Jesus as our king, the key is we need to understand what kind of king Jesus shows himself to be. You see, as the crowd rejoiced, and they were right to do so, as they rejoiced over Jesus' arrival, it is very likely that they were celebrating because they thought that Jesus was going to come and bring them a military victory. And we can understand why they would have been so excited that day when we remember that in the days of Jesus... Israel was occupied by the Roman Empire. And it was an occupation that was at times brutal and that was at times very humiliating. And so the Israelites in particular were, were supercharged with expectation, with longing for someone to come and liberate them from this situation. And so it makes sense that after having read over and over again of these promises from God in the scriptures, that when they see this sign appearing before them, that they would think, oh, yes. The day has finally come. But let's look again at how Matthew describes the prophecy that Jesus came to fulfill. Look again in verse 5. He says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. When we look at the other things that Zechariah says about the king in that chapter, we see that he is speaking of a king who comes in humility. And with a posture not for, for making war, but with a posture of peace. And that is what the crowds misunderstood about Jesus that day. He, he was not entering that day into Jerusalem in order to, to overthrow Rome. He was entering peacefully. He was entering humbly with an entirely different purpose. He was entering as the humble king riding a donkey, a king who was so humble that in just a few short days he would submit himself to the most humiliating form of death that was known in the world at that time. 
and that I would submit is the most humiliating form of death known ever. And he was going to do this. He was going to go and humbly die on the cross so that by the shedding of his innocent blood, we might receive forgiveness and rescue from our sins. So that we might have peace with God where we are no longer his enemies but his beloved children. That is the salvation. That is the rescue. That is the peace that our humble King Jesus came to accomplish when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey 2,000 years ago. It is true that one day Jesus will return. He will not be riding a donkey. He will be riding a war horse. And he will come as a mighty conquering king to overthrow his enemies. But because of his first entry into Jerusalem on that donkey, when that day comes, when we believe in him, rather than being a day of of trembling and fear, it can be for us a day of celebration. A day of rejoicing, knowing that he first came to purchase the cost of our peace with him by shedding his blood. He paid the price for our redemption and, and the crowd had actually misunderstood his mission that day. But in addition to that, they had also misunderstood his nature. Look in verse 10. It says, And when, it, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And as, as you can imagine, the crowd's praise and exuberant celebration of Jesus on the way to Jerusalem had, had gotten the city's attention. This isn't something that goes on outside your city and you just, you just don't notice it. So people wanted to know, who is this man who's being celebrated in this way? And the crowds, they give an answer. In verse 11, they say, he is the prophet. Now this answer is, is absolutely true. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He is the ultimate one who gives us the truth and and the words and the will of God. And and we actually profess that we believe that's what the Bible is teaching us in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, where we say Jesus is our prophet who reveals God's will to us. So the people here, they have spoken truth, but they have not understood the full truth. Because while Jesus is a prophet, he is not only a prophet. Because if he were only a prophet then Jesus would be no more than, than, a, than a mere man, a mere mortal like you and like, like me. But that is not how Jesus is presented to us in the Bible. Rather, Jesus is presented to us as a king and as a prophet, unlike any other in the history of the world. Jesus, we see, is both 100% man, but also 100% divine. He is, he is the God-man. And to truly know to truly understand who Jesus is, we must know and believe this about him. That he is the God-man who came as our humble king to bring us salvation and peace. And friends, this kind of peace is something we all desperately need and it's something we desperately long for. About a year or year and a half ago, I was spending some time at one of our local parks just not too far from where we are right now. And I was in a conversation with a man who had moved to the Roanoke area from another place. And as we were talking, I asked him, I said, so tell me, what, what is it like for you to live in Roanoke? Uh, what has it been like living in this new place? And I'd love to hear maybe some things that you've enjoyed about living here. And without hesitation, he looked at me and he said, it's peaceful. You see, as we, as we continued to talk, as he shared more about his life, uh, he shared he had moved from another city And he had lived in a part of that city that was well known for being plagued with violence. And so while he and I both knew that that Roanoke is not perfect, 
in comparison to where he had come from, Roanoke was a very peaceful place. And you, you could almost, like, you could almost sense just the relief kind of coming off of him as he spoke of that peace that he had come to enjoy so much in this area. And friends, that is, that is what we need too. That, that longing for peace, that desire for it is something that is, that is true for every single person. And when we truly and fully understand who Jesus is, we see that he is the one who meets that ultimate need, who meets that ultimate longing for peace. It's because we, we were made for a relationship with God. We were made to be at peace with him, but, but all of us have been separated from God by our sin. We are his enemies who, who deserve eternal punishment, but, but out of his grace and kindness... God has made a way for those sins to be forgiven so that we can be rescued from that death and so that our relationship with him can be restored so that we can know that true and that ultimate peace, peace with God. And this way to forgiveness and peace was forged by Jesus, our king and our God who came humbly into Jerusalem that day riding on a donkey so that he could die the death that we deserved so that when we believe in him, we do have that peace that we need. And so in closing, I'll just, I'll just say this. As you, as you reflect on this passage and you remember Jesus' final ride into Jerusalem, I, I hope you will understand more deeply who Jesus is. That he is your God and your king who is worthy of praise and obedience, yes. And I also hope that you will see that he is your king who loves you so much your king who is so committed to your well-being and to your peace that he was willing to humble himself in this incredible way. Because friends, when, you, when we understand who Jesus truly is, we begin to have a deeper understanding of just how loved we are and of how cared for we are by him. And I hope that as that sinks more deeply into our hearts that we would respond with the desire to love him in return by humbly following and obeying him and that we would be eager uh, to share this news with others so that they too could know this peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the kind of king and God who, who cares deeply for your people, that you were willing to, to sit on that donkey knowing exactly where it was leading you that it was leading you into the city where you would lay down your life for us. Lord, thank you for having such humble love and care for us. And we, we, I pray that as we, as we understand more deeply that that is who you are, that we would love you more deeply in return, and that we would be shaped to live humble, beautiful, obedient lives, and that we would have excitement to share this with others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.